Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Black and Cold, a true crime podcast. I am your host, Nichelle, and I am back with another case today. If you are new here, welcome. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. To all my listeners, please remember to subscribe, rate, and review this show. And if you have any cases that you would like to see me cover, you can definitely send them my way, and I will leave the link to do that in the description of this episode. The case I will be discussing today is out of San Diego, California, when a mom of two suddenly disappeared. Now, she was known to be kind of spontaneous, impulsive, and sometimes unpredictable. So initially, it didn't seem too concerning, but she also confided in many of her loved ones about her personal life, which was filled with some secrets and lots of red flags. So when friends and family stopped hearing from her for days, they knew this became more serious than they thought. Today, I will be telling you all about the murder of Elizabeth Sullivan. Elizabeth Ricks grew up in Hampton, Virginia. She attended school at Hampton University for a few semesters while living with her father. Now, her parents weren't together during this time, and they had separated, but Elizabeth maintained a relationship with them both. By the time she reached her 20s, Elizabeth, or Liz, as many people refer to her, actually began working at Hampton University as a secretary in one of their office buildings. And that's where she grew very close to a woman named Calandra, who ultimately became one of her best friends. Calandra described her friend as being smart, creative, and overall just a person who loved to smile. She also told NBC's Dateline that Liz could sometimes be impulsive and have trouble expressing her emotions. Liz eventually was able to get her own apartment living near the city of Norfolk, Virginia, which was also the home to one of the largest United States Navy bases. And this is where Liz met Matthew Sullivan. Now, Matt, who was in the Navy, was originally from Minnesota, and him and Liz seemed to hit it off instantly. As they spent more time together, the two enjoyed being around one another, and their relationship moved at a pretty fast pace. As her best friend, Calandra, met the new man in Liz's life, and she could tell he was making her happy. As time went on, Matt was reassigned to San Diego, California but he didn't want his new romance with Liz to end. So shortly after the two met, within months, Matt decided to propose to Liz, and she said yes. The two eventually got married, having an extremely small ceremony. Neither of their families were in attendance. They did have a celebration to follow, though, which was also very small, with only a few people there, Liz's friend Calandra being one of them. As the Sullivans began to prepare for their move across the country, they received some life-changing news. Liz became pregnant with their first child. Liz was shocked when she discovered she had a baby inside of her, and she was nervous about becoming a mom. But she was ready. She wanted to start her new life in a new state with her family. Matt and Liz settled in San Diego, and they lived in a development known as Liberty Station. 
So because he was in the military, their family life would be interrupted a lot as Matt was deployed overseas on many occasions. However, he was given the opportunity to see the birth of their daughter, but shortly after that, he was away again. This became very difficult for Liz and she would be lonely a lot, but you know, she tried to thug it out. And with Matt being in and out, she eventually got pregnant again with their second daughter in the summertime of 2011. But after the birth of their second child in May of 2012, Liz and Matt began to experience some marital issues. Liz was overwhelmed with raising two kids with little to no help. I mean, she understood Matt's duty as a man in the military, but she also did not have any friends or family in San Diego, and she began to feel isolated. But as time passed, Liz met someone who she would eventually confide in. She met a man named Nathan during a visit to an optical store where he worked, and the two had an instant connection platonically. Nathan was interviewed on NBC's Dateline, where he spoke about the day he met Liz. He basically said she was a bit frantic and all over the place, but shockingly, they had a really good conversation that lasted for hours. Liz officially found a friend in San Diego, and as the two built a close relationship, Nathan began to learn of the issues Liz was facing within her marriage. Because she was typically raising her children by herself, Liz had a specific routine with her daughters, and every time Matt would come back from overseas or other locations, those routines would be interrupted. And this came to a point where it kind of frustrated Liz, according to Nathan, and the issues with her husband seemed to get more severe. One major issue that came between them was the fact that Matt did not have a driver's license. So whenever he did come home for periods of time, Liz was pretty much the person responsible for taking him wherever he needed to go. She was the basic means of transportation, according to her friend Calandra. The Sullivans also appeared to be the polar opposite of one another, Liz being more free-spirited and spontaneous, while Matt was more reserved and comfortable in his routine. So this was kind of like a learning period for them at this point. I mean, their relationship moved really quickly, so the two were still learning one another in a sense, and a lot of their ways and what they had going on in life just did not seem to mesh well. But despite their issues, Liz really wanted to make her marriage with Matt work. And at one point around Thanksgiving in 2013, the couple seemed to be happy with one another, according to Nathan. But that quickly changed after he saw Liz just one month later for Christmas. This time, she came to his house with just her daughters and no Matt. And as time went on, Calandra too started to see changes in her best friend that were just not like her. She later came out and stated that Liz had began to be more submissive, she was quieter, and whenever they would have conversations, the two would have to whisper a lot just in case Matt was around. Liz let Calandra know at one point that she even began to fear Matt, who didn't show any of these immediate or demanding behaviors when they first met. Calandra also became a witness herself to their tumultuous arguments one day when she was left on a FaceTime call and saw the commotion between the couple herself. The Sullivan's marriage was going more and more left as months passed, and Liz thought about taking further action to get away from it all. By the summer of 2014, Liz spoke about leaving Matt to her friends, to her family, and to Matt himself. Calandra stated Matt wasn't really receptive to this, and it showed. 
he was displaying more concerning behaviors, then he made a decision that would change their living arrangements. Matt told Liz he was moving his family into their home, specifically his mother, her partner, and his sister. And despite the two's marital issues, you would think that this would be more of a help to Liz, especially with raising her two daughters, while Matt was away a lot for work. But she did not like this idea one bit. Liz and Matt's mom did not get along very well, and she previously did not even approve of their relationship. The last thing Liz wanted was for them to be under the same roof together. So she straight up told Matt that she didn't want his family to live with them, but that didn't seem to register for him as he already set the plan in motion by early October of 2014. Liz was trying to find any way possible to avoid the move-in of her in-laws. During the weekend of October 10th, 2014, Liz decided to stay at Nathan's place to get away from her home. She spent the night there venting to him about her marriage and her husband's family, who were arriving there in a few days. By the time the next day came, Liz seemed to be somewhat in better spirits and she decided to go home. Sometime the day after that, which is now Sunday, October 12th, Nathan spoke with Liz and he stated that she sounded kind of tense and she pretty much rushed him off the phone. But before the two did get off that call, Liz told him she would speak with him the following day, which was Monday. But when that Monday came, which is now October 13th, Nathan never heard from Liz, and he wasn't alarmed by this just yet, but it wasn't until the next day went by, and he still hadn't heard from her, and that's when he began to grow concerned. Meanwhile, back on the East Coast, Calandra had stopped hearing from Liz as well, after they were having a conversation that ended abruptly on the evening of October 13th. She tried to call and text her a few times, but wasn't getting any response. It was now Tuesday, October 14th, the same day Matt's family was flying from Minnesota to move in, and Liz still hadn't checked in with Nathan like she typically would. So he decided to reach out to Matt just to see if he had heard anything from Liz, but Matt told him no. Liz hadn't spoken to him since the day before. Matt went on to say that she may have just been trying to avoid being around since his family arrived there that morning. And although this sounds like something Liz may have done given how she felt about her in-laws, something stuck with Nathan enough to know that this was off. So he decided to call the police to report his friend missing. He told the responding officer that something didn't seem right and he hadn't heard from Liz in a few days, although he was just a friend. But the police kind of negated the situation and pretty much blew it off as Nathan stated. Then, two more days went by, still with no signs of the 32-year-old mother. Liz was now officially considered a missing person. The San Diego police ended up making a trip to the Sullivans' home three days after Nathan made that call to them. They were able to meet Matt, Liz's husband, as well as his family, who had arrived there days prior. Authorities were trying to get more into Liz's personal life to see if anyone knew where she could have gone, or if something had happened to her. The police lightly searched the residence, and they noticed that Liz did not take her car with her. It was still parked in the garage. And inside the vehicle, they didn't find anything unusual, just a parking ticket, which was stamped for October 13th, which was the day before she was reported missing. 
the missing persons unit even decided to check some trash they found, a freezer that was located in the Sullivan's garage, and the bedroom where Liz slept, but nothing alarming was discovered. According to Detective Kim Collier, who worked on this case, Matt told authorities that a suitcase from their home had been missing, in addition to Liz's laptop, which he assumed his wife took with her. Matt handed over Liz's journals to law enforcement in order to help them with their investigation. He also let them know that right before her disappearance, Liz took mostly all of the money that was in their joint account and moved it to her individual account, which was a little over $1,000. The police then got in contact with Liz's credit union, and they were able to confirm that there was card activity after the day that she went missing, leaving her friends and family hopeful that she was okay. As news about the Navy wife who went missing began to spread, Tips began to flow into the San Diego Police Department. On October 19th, just five days after she disappeared, a sighting of Liz was reported. An off-duty police officer and his wife came forward and said that they saw the missing mom at a soccer field not even a mile away from her home. They said Liz appeared to be disoriented and she told them that she had slept in the park. Two days after that, on October 21st, another person came forward and said that they saw someone who appeared to be Elizabeth Sullivan at the San Diego airport. But those potential sightings were the last lead that law enforcement heard, and they were unable to get any solid information from them at this point. Liz's loved ones were hopeful and began to search for her, putting flyers up around the San Diego area and creating social media accounts dedicated to their searches. Her father, Edward, flew out to San Diego from Virginia as well, and he helped assist with the searches, he spoke with detectives, and he checked in on his grandbabies while he was there. Edward also made an appearance on NBC7's local news station, asking the public for assistance with finding his daughter. In his interview, he told reporters that Liz's phone remained off, and he wasn't giving up on finding her, but he felt deep down that she may have been in trouble. Liz's husband, Matt, was also speaking publicly and trying to share his wife's story. Matt searched wherever he could for his wife, and he also received a lot of help with these searches from the public. Matt was at the end of his rope, in his own words, and he wanted Liz to come home, especially for the sake of their daughters, who were only two and four at the time. He told People Magazine, quote, the girls need their mom. She's never been gone this long, nowhere near this long. She's been with them their whole lives while I was at work or on deployment. She was always here. He went on to say, quote, they definitely are not used to her being gone, end quote. A reward for $1,000 was put up for anyone that could come forward with information on Liz's whereabouts. And with no more tips to go off of, the police continued to look into Liz's life and who she communicated with the most. And not to his surprise, Nathan was quickly questioned by investigators. For one, he was very close to Liz, and he was also the person that reported her missing. According to Nathan, he was approached at his job, he was interrogated thoroughly, and he was also asked to take a polygraph at one point, which he wanted to think about first before doing so smart move. But in the end, Nathan was ultimately cleared of any wrongdoing. Matt was another person that the police wanted to get some more information from as he was Liz's husband. 
Matt was very cooperative with the police. He gave them all the information he could and answered any question they had without hesitation. Matt told investigators that Liz walked out of their home wearing jeans and brown boots. She had a bag and she just didn't return. According to Detective Collier, Matt agreed to take a polygraph after law enforcement asked, and he did well on it. He even went as far as allowing them to search his home again, and he provided his and his daughter's DNA just in case a body was eventually discovered. So both of these men who were very active in Liz's life in San Diego seemed to be in the clear. The police began to look through Liz's journal that they were given right after she disappeared and they were alarmed by many of the things that she was writing. Liz wrote a fictional story, which was about a woman who fell in love with a man named Brooks, aka her white knight. And this woman was rescued from life's issues by Brooks, where the two then had a little girl and they moved to California. In her story, she goes on to say the woman eventually left Brooks and left her little girl behind by walking out of their lives. The story in the journal also suggests that the woman character in it is sick of her life and the people around her are sick of her too. Dateline quoted a part of the journal entry which said, quote, I walked out of that nightmare. Although this story was fictional and written by Liz, it sure seemed to mirror some aspects in her own personal life, which the police needed to investigate further as it could be telling them a story they were unfamiliar with. Also, going off of these writings, this could kind of suggest the idea of a potential suicide, which they needed to investigate as well. And the police learned that Liz had a lot going on internally. She was previously diagnosed with borderline personality disorder, and she even spoke with a professional psychiatrist because of this. Liz was prescribed Adderall, but because she experienced much anxiety, sometimes she self-medicated, taking more than she needed. It was also later discovered that Liz was a cutter, and according to Detective Collier, the cutting was always on the surface of the skin, but seemed to be a release for her, again alarming to the detective and her team. Law enforcement discovered that Liz also created a Tinder profile months before she disappeared. All of my New York listeners, if you are planning any type of event soon and are looking for some of the best balloon and decoration services, Neat Designs is here for you. Neat Designs offers the most gorgeous setups, whether it's for a birthday, baby shower, or just a simple brunch. And y'all, it is black owned. You can see the work that they do on their Instagram at N-E-A-T underscore designs underscore. It is now two months into Liz's disappearance, and detectives were looking through her Tinder activity. And this is where they found out that she was speaking with a man named Marcus. Once they discovered who he was, a background search led them to learn that Marcus had been arrested in the past for choking his wife. And this put him on law enforcement's radar quickly, but that changed once they learned the nature of his and Liz's relationship, which wasn't very long and it was casual. So this guy was cleared as a person of interest. From there, the police learned of a man named Stephen who appeared to be someone Liz really liked. And Nathan confirmed this. Nathan confirmed Stephen was someone his friend was dating. He had aspirations, 
His conversations with Liz were easy. They just flowed. So Stephen appeared to be everything her husband, Matt, was not. Because this was now learned by detectives, Stephen was clearly the next person put on their radar. However, he was not the easiest to speak with. Stephen refused a polygraph test, and he immediately requested a lawyer after he was approached by investigators. So when I first heard this story, I kind of said to myself, you know, did Matt, Liz's husband, know that any of this was going on? And the answer to that would be yes. He actually learned of Liz's affair after she went to Stephen's house one day. And Stephen's roommate had a girlfriend who noticed a car seat in Liz's vehicle. So this woman actually called CPS on Liz, thinking her children were home by themselves while Liz was just out here chilling with Stephen. Remember, this girlfriend had no idea probably that Liz was even married. So CPS eventually showed up to Liz's residence and cleared her of any wrongdoings or neglect towards her children, but they did legally tell her that they had to notify the other guardian. So before they were even able to speak with Matt, Liz spoke with him first, and she confessed that she was having an affair. Liz was very apologetic for her affair, and Nathan says she felt really bad for what she had done. And Matt, Matt wasn't really moved by his wife's confession. I mean, the two were having serious marital issues, and they were not seeing eye to eye for a while. He actually gave detectives later on an indication that him and Liz weren't even together. They just lived in the same house. They weren't even sleeping in the same bed at the time she was dealing with Stephen. Stephen remained a person of interest during this time, and the investigators ended up searching a shallow grave near his home, which they found a high heel shoe nearby. They immediately began to dig the area of this discovery but all they found were animal remains. There was still no sign of Elizabeth Sullivan. Liz's distraught father asked Stephen to come forward with any information, and through his lawyer, he eventually agreed. So Stephen received a message one month after Liz disappeared from an unfamiliar email address named badlydrawngirl at gmail.com, and this person claimed to be Liz. At first, Stephen didn't think it was her and thought probably this is a joke. But to make sure, he asked a specific code question about his birthday gift and what it was that Liz gave him. The person behind the email address answered the code question correctly. It was a Gumby keychain. Stephen gave investigators this piece of information indicating that Liz was possibly alive one month after she vanished. But... They weren't even able to investigate anything further in regards to this email address because Stephen had deleted the message beforehand. Even though this sounded damning and this guy Stephen seemed to be so sus, after executing a search warrant for his home, the police were able to clear him of having anything to do with Liz's disappearance. Detectives were literally back at square one at this point. Liz's bank accounts, where she transferred money from her joint to her individual, had no more additional activity, and the sighting of her in the park from that wife and husband that came forward ended up being a dead end. The couple got their days confused. So where was 32-year-old Elizabeth Sullivan? 
In the meantime, the San Diego police decided to revisit one of the men in Liz's life that they previously spoke to, the husband, Matt Sullivan. Detective Collier and her team spoke with Matt again after going through Stephen's phone records, the man that was number one on their list before. And in his phone records, they found that Matt had reached out to Stephen during his relationship with Liz. Investigators found that in September of 2014, a month before Liz vanished and the same month she ended things with Stephen, Matt was in his inbox a little more concerned than he initially led on. So just to recap, Matt had investigators under the impression that he didn't really care about Liz's affair, and although they were still legally married, the two were pretty much living separate lives. But his text messages found sent to Steven suggested otherwise. The Dateline episode actually laid out a few of the text messages, one saying, quote, Liz will need a place to stay soon, end quote. And another text reading, quote, I forgot to mention, I work at a hospital if you need help getting that STD cleared up, end quote. So just petty, petty text messages trying to get a reaction from Steven or maybe even Liz. And these were not the only messages. Matt continued to text Steven throughout this time, saying other poking remarks that showed he was really affected inside about the situation. And during this time, Nathan and Calandra both reflect and say Liz was having a hard time after this situation. And this is when she dropped a bombshell to one of them. The day Liz slept at Nathan's house before her in-laws arrived, she confided in him one last time by telling him that Matt became physically abusive to her. Now, it is not clear when this may have started. It's suggested that it began a while ago, like it began earlier. But this is why Nathan became so gung-ho that something may have happened to his friend when she stopped contacting him and ultimately went missing. And remember, Liz had previously told her best friend Calandra, who was back in Virginia, that she began to fear Matt, and many of his behaviors changed from when the two initially met. During the investigation, it was also discovered that Liz made a very telling phone call on October 13th, the day before she was reported missing, and it was to Calandra. As Calandra recalls, her and Liz were talking on the phone like they typically did every day at around 10 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. This is 7 o'clock p.m. on the West Coast. And Liz, who was whispering over the phone, told her best friend that she and Matt had a serious argument. According to Calandra, Liz sounded frantic and afraid. So she advised her to lock herself in the room, which we now know she occupied solo as her and Matt weren't sleeping in the same bed. But she told her to lock herself in the room and have a glass of wine and that it all can be dealt with in the morning. She did say if Liz happened to be really fearful of her life, she should call the police. But Liz quietly told Calandra, gotta go. And that was the last time she heard from her best friend of years. And this was all confirmed by detectives later on through Calandra's phone records. Calandra tried to contact Liz many times after hearing the fear in her voice on that night, but she was getting no response. She reached out to Liz's father and Matt on her own. 
and probably thinking Matt may have had something to do with her best friend's disappearance, Calandra just reached out to him and let him know that she was here for their two girls if they needed anything. And this brings me back to Matt. Now that investigators knew Matt was abusive and bitter about Liz's affair with Steven, this gave them the ammo to investigate him more. They discovered that Liz spoke to her father and friends about getting a divorce from Matt. In fact, she visited an attorney during the day on October 13th, which explains that parking ticket that was found in her car in the garage. But this is the same day her and Matt got into this serious argument, and the same day she quickly rushed off the phone with Calandra. Authorities also found out that Matt made a phone call to 911 on this day as well, suggesting that his wife was trying to take his children away from him as well as blackmail him. And this made others feel that he found out Liz went to visit this attorney and he was not happy about it. Matt shut off Liz's cell phone after she disappeared and he never took Calandra up on her offer for any assistance with their daughters. Matter of fact, he unfriended her on Facebook and deleted majority of his posts or photos that had anything to do with Liz. Matt's account was full of changes. His status was now in a relationship. And this is all happening pretty early on. Just three months after Liz disappeared, another woman was in Matt's life and apparently she was living with him. Matt continued to remain cooperative with investigators and never became hesitant about speaking with them or providing them with any information. He was confronted about some credit card purchases he made, though. One was on October 14th, the day Liz was reported missing by her friend Nathan, and Matt purchased some carpet cleaner from Ace Hardware. Strange. And according to Detective Collier, his response was that he just wanted to clean his carpet as his mother and family were now staying with him. Then one month later, Matt purchased more carpet cleaner and a giant roll of plastic wrap. Now, when asked about these, he said he needed to wrap up some of his mom's things to put in storage. Again, kind of strange. But the San Diego police could not prove anything from this, which was frustrating for Liz's loved ones. And by August of 2015, almost a year after she vanished, law enforcement was still no closer to finding out where the missing mom was. Liz's story was featured on NBC7 Investigates in November of 2015 to hopefully put some larger attention on her story because her case began to grow cold. And another quiet year would pass before anyone had any answers. Fetlist.com offers a list of soca and carnival events in the New York City area, Miami, Atlanta, and so many other places. If you and your friends have been looking for some carnival vibes lately, this is the place to find it. Fetlist not only provides in-person events nearby, but they also got you covered with virtual carnival experiences as well. Check out their website, www.fetlist.com today. On October 4th, 2016, an off-duty marshal was going for a walk with his dog when something caught the attention of his canine and it began to pull him towards the bank. He then discovered a badly decomposed body floating in the San Diego Bay. It was a woman's body wearing jeans and one brown boot. 
Two months later, in December, the ID of the body was confirmed through dental records, and it was Elizabeth Sullivan. She was discovered not too far from her home. After two years and two months, authorities finally had her, and her family and friends finally had some answers. Liz's cause of death was sharp force trauma. She was stabbed repeatedly with a sharp object in her torso area and ribs. She also suffered from a fractured jaw, and the tip of her left nasal bone was missing, meaning she was severely beaten as well. Detective Collier and her team immediately knew where they needed to look, which was back in the direction of Matthew Sullivan. But they had to ask themselves, where was Liz this whole time? There was no way she was just floating there for two years intact, and it was not likely she was there this whole time so close to her home and no one found her. Also, the pathologist who did the autopsy stated Liz had been killed one to two months before she was discovered in the water. How is this possible? I mean, this is what people were asking themselves. But investigators began to develop a theory. They believed Liz was murdered around the time that she was reported missing. But they still had no indication where her body was from the time she was killed up until when she was found. So they wanted to pay Matt a visit again, and this time he wasn't there. Three days after Liz's body was discovered, Matt and his new pregnant girlfriend were on the other side of the country. He moved to Maryland. Although they had done previous searches, the police decided to look through the Sullivan's home again about a week after everything was moved out. This time, no one was living in the house, and they knew they could really tear the place apart at this point with probable cause. They scanned different areas of the home with luminol, which included the bathroom door and those carpets that Matt wanted cleaned so bad. Both areas lit up, detecting blood was there. Under the carpet surface is actually where the larger stains of blood were detected. The DNA matched Liz's. However, it still wasn't enough for the DA to bring a case against Matt, especially being that he told them Liz was a cutter. Detective Collier decided to go to Maryland and give Matt a visit just to see if she could get anything out of him, but she didn't. Matt continued to deny any involvement. Detectives went back to the home in October 2016 where the Sullivans used to live and this time, they decided to tear the attic apart, searching under the insulation. There they found a military-style knife, which was hidden, and the knife had Matt and Liz's DNA on it. Upon looking through the Sullivan's old residence, investigators were also alarmed by a foul odor coming from the garage, the same place where that freezer was. The San Diego Police Department now had enough evidence to arrest Matthew Sullivan after almost three years. He was arrested in Delaware on January 31, 2018 for the murder of his wife, Elizabeth. He was extradited to San Diego shortly after. On February 14, 2018, Matt was arraigned and he pled not guilty. During the preliminary hearings, Liz's friend Nathan took the stand telling the court about his friend's problematic and toxic marriage with Matt. And after two years, his trial finally began on February 21st, 2020. Many people, included Liz's father and best friend Calandra, took the stand for the prosecution. Their arguments showed serious marital issues, abuse, fear, and infidelity. 
They presented the police's findings of Liz's blood saturated throughout their home and the discovery of the potential murder weapon under the insulation in the attic. Matt began to grow violent throughout his marriage and he murdered his wife around the time she was seeking a divorce, according to prosecution. Matt never reported Liz missing. In that email, Liz's boyfriend Stephen received from badlydrunkgirl at gmail.com weeks after Liz vanished was suggested to be Matt impersonating her. Lastly, that freezer in the Sullivan's basement, although the police initially checked it and found nothing, the Commonwealth believes Liz's body was moved from there shortly before she was put in the San Diego Bay which explains the odor of death that detectives smell in that home after Matt moved out. And this would mean Matt froze his wife's body for two years and may have actually gotten away with it had he not relocated. It is still unknown where Matt may have had Liz when the police first paid him with their visits. That is something that is still a mystery. The defense portrayed Liz as troubled, sporadic, and suggested she may have walked away from her life and then met with foul play, which is not impossible, but it would be very coincidental. After closing arguments, Matthew Sullivan was ultimately found guilty of second-degree murder and sentenced to 16 years to life in prison. The loved ones of Elizabeth went through years of not knowing anything, and it took six years for them to see some type of justice. And the former Navy sailor Matt, even behind bars now, still maintains his innocence up until this day.